The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org.
lucky this morning, we're lucky for so many reasons, but we're lucky to have the expanded choir who are going to be heading off to India in early January. Thank you all for being with us. Bakhut Sundarhe, your music was very beautiful. It's gorgeous, gorgeous. And welcome to all of you. Bakhut Sundarhe, you're all very beautiful too. It's lovely to have you with us. Everybody, old friends, new friends, welcome to this Sunday. There is another friend who is with us today, at least in the live stream, who we will meet in person on December 3rd, and that is Emmanuel Class. Emmanuel is going to be our new member and young adult programming manager, and he is joining us from his home in Arizona. So which camera is on, Jonathan, right now? Uh, the one right back. So if you all can just turn around. Emmanuel, we want to welcome you. Welcome, he's joining us, he's doing training remotely this week. Welcome to USF, we can't wait to welcome you in person. We'll have times for you all to meet him. We're super excited to have him here with us. So, today's service is right on the cusp of what tomorrow is the Transgender Day of Remembrance, when we honor those transgender people who have been killed through and because of transgendered violence, violence against them for their identity, for who they are, who they're working hard to be in the world, a full expression of themselves. And this whole week leading up is Trans Awareness Week, where we try and enter into the stories and experiences, advocacy, witness, to transgender folks, their journey, our work, either um, as transgender folk being ourselves in the world, as allies being in support of our beloveds. And so it's in that spirit that we gather today. Our offering today is Taken for Trust, which is a UU organization that supports our transgender professionals, religious educators, music directors, ministers. So thank you in advance for your generosity when we come to take our offering later in service. Welcome, everybody. In the headlong tumble of our weeks, welcome to this time we carve out for the sacred purposes of this hour. We light our chalice, a symbol of Unitarian Universalism, calling into this space to all of us who are part of this community, near or far. Wherever this hour finds you, know you are with us too. For those of you at home, feel free to light your own candle or chalice if you have one. Please say with me the words of our chalice lighting printed in your order of service. We light this chalice for the light of love, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. I am Laura Shinna, Minister of Congregational Life. If you have questions about religious education, faith formation, Unitarian Universalism, please reach out to me. 
I will also be in the courtyard to answer any questions about our new membership and young adult manager. If this is your first time joining us in person or watching a live stream, thank you for joining us. If you would like to receive a copy of our weekly email newsletter, which includes a link to the order of service in the Sunday live stream, you can fill out one of our yellow connection forms. Those forms are on the welcome table out in the sink, outside the sanctuary and perhaps in a pew in front of you and available through the link in the order of service or video description of today's service. The order of service lists upcoming events and links to opportunities to connect. Please engage in any or all that are of interest to you. I want to call your attention to something that's not in the order of service though, and something that we are uh, hoping everybody can take part in participating and celebrating. Kathy Lyons, one of our dear friends and members of this congregation, is celebrating their, her 95th birthday specifically on Thanksgiving. So if we could send her cards and wish her a happy birthday, that would be really lovely. At this time, I'd like to invite Sherry Delo up for an important announcement. I feel like we should be singing jingle bells or something. Hello, I'm Sherry Reindeer, a member of the team planning the holiday fair and party to be held two weeks from today on Sunday, December 3rd. Our Santa team needs your help contributing jumble goods, like this scarf I bought last year for a dollar, and these pearls, only two bucks last year, Here's what we would love for you to think about contributing. Your extra ornaments, your holiday decorations, toys your kids have outgrown, pretty dishes, books, nice men's ties, lamps, glassware, silver you no longer want to polish, nice purses you don't carry. Take a look around your house, and if you don't use it, please donate it to the jumble sale. During the week, you can drop items at the church office on for today and next Sunday, drop them here, and then take them to the Murdoch room. <clears throat> Don't forget, it's Sunday, December 3rd. Come to the holiday fair, eat Ben Bear's chili, have a glass of wine, a beer, or agua fresca, and enjoy dessert in the tea room, which will be run by our youth and children, and anyone who wants to be a volunteer and help the children, sign up out at the table today. And I would like to say, for those of you in Zoom land, we wish you could be here too at the holiday fair because we have such fun and we want you to know we will miss you. Thank you, Sherry. Linda Harris? Good morning and thank you. That's a hard act to follow. <laughs> uh, 
So, do you find yourself increasingly frustrated by the commercial hype that starts around Thanksgiving, sometimes even before Halloween, and continues through the rest of the year? Ready to think outside the box for an antidote? Then think inside this box and join thousands of yous across the country in the Guests at Your Table program. There's information about this program in your order of service, this little sheet, and even more to be had in the links included and at our UUSC table after the service. But here's the short version. You place a guest at your table box on your dining table or other family gathering spot, or use some other favored container. We, engage, we encourage you to spend time daily focusing on and learning about the work of the Unitarian Universalist Service Committee and the work that they and their grassroots partners do on behalf of human rights and social and environmental justice. You feed the box each day with donations to support this work. A little change if that's all you can afford. Maybe the cost of your even meal. Maybe even the price of that splurge that you got for a very loved friend. And each day, you draw the circle of care wider, extend your hospitality further, and live more into our UU values and the, um, and the deeper values of the season. That search for light and hope in times of darkness that the human soul craves and almost every religion in some way celebrates. The guests at your table boxes will be passed out during the offertory today. For our RE families, your children will get a box in for your home during their chapel today. We have an end gathering for the donations on January 7th. Thank you. Please rise in body or spirit for our opening hymn, number 21, For the Beauty of the Earth.
straightforward folks who have indicated their desire to join the first Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco. I think we added it up, and the years that they have been connected to this congregation in some is something close to 35. <laughs> so some of them have thought long and hard about this decision. <laughs> I'll invite them, if they're not already, not already up in the chancel, to come forward. Nancy D. Stephanus, Caleb Dupree, Tad Hop, Kathleen McClung, and Ruth Wong. With the cutest addition to the picture, Robin Jr. Remotely watching from Seattle where she is is today is Sierra Loya Sparks. And not here even remotely, but with her family today is Cheryl McKinney. They both joined in a private rite of passage on Zoom, our first. Jonathan's showing you the picture of that moment, and they are with us here in spirit too. The steps to membership are simple. Meet with a minister, make a financial pledge of record, and sign our membership book. But becoming a member asks much more. It asks for a commitment. A commitment to be part of the rituals and rites of passage of this community. A commitment to learning and growing. An ongoing exploration of one's faith and what it means making time for fun, community building, and making connections with one another. A commitment to be of service and deepening the call to love one another. To work for justice and peace and to help bring healing to the world. The steps to membership are simple, but the act of membership is sacred. We are delighted that you made First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco your spiritual home, and we welcome you. In some ways, the spirit of this hour is reflected beautifully in this reading by Starhawk. She writes, we are all longing to go home to some place. We have never been, a place half remembered and half envisioned. We can only catch glimpses from time to time, community. Somewhere, there are people to whom we can speak with passion without having the words catch in our throats. Somewhere, a circle of hands will open to receive us. Eyes will light up when we enter. Voices will celebrate with us whenever we come into our own power. Community means strength that joins our strength to do the work that needs to be done. Arms to hold us when we falter a circle of healing, a circle of friends, someplace where we can be free. This is a day of celebration for all of us here to honor your commitment to this community, a decision that gorgeous souls have been making since October of 1850. 
We know, as I told you all in our signing ceremony this morning, that we will be enriched and changed for the better by you being part of this community. And we hope and will do our best to be enriching and supportive companions to you. We look forward to all of the unfolding of this time and journey together. I want to ask the members of this congregation, you have some words in your order of service, I'm going to ask you in a moment to help me, us, in welcoming these new members, people who are enlarging this circle of community, who are ready to have their gifts embraced, the energies they bring, excited that we are excited by the challenges that they will bring to us too, that the possibilities they will invite us to engage. And we will rise, as we always have, to meet those challenges and invitations together. So I'm going to ask you, existing members, a question that you will answer with the words in the order of service. And the question is, will you join me in welcoming these new members to this community? but we also promise to nurture you and support your journey, providing our friendship, inviting your questions, and stepping into what life together and the world will ask of us. With eagerness and expectation, we look forward to journeying alongside you and building our beloved community together. Welcome home. I want to invite our newest members standing here to join me in saying the promises and pledges printed in the order of service as you take this step. Let us say together, eagerly we bring to this place our gifts and talents, life experience and wisdom, questions and challenges. We look forward to being co-creators of this beloved community and serving its mission with joy. Let us please put our hands together to welcome the newest members of the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco. to uh, dedicate the bell anthem uh, to Don Williams, who recently passed away, husband of our uh, uh, beloved bell choir member, David Jones, and occasional ringer himself.
want to let our teachers and children and youth know that you will go off to your classes during the second verse of the doxology, so be prepared to do that. I'm stalling a little bit so Reiko can get up to the organ. So let's just take a deep breath in together. Our covenant is one of our promises that we hold sacred in our community. Please look in your order of service for the words and share them with me. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to speak the truth in freedom, and to help one another. On the eve of Transgender Day of Remembrance last year, the shooting in Club Q that included Aston, a transgender man, and Loving, a transgender woman. And this year, that included additionally at least 26 other transgender people who were killed in anti-trans attacks. And we sit in this moment at the end of six weeks since the Hamas attacks in Israel when the death toll in Gaza is well over 11,000 people. And the United Nations has called Gaza a children's graveyard. And unnecessary suffering on both sides continues unabated in a quest for peace. And we sit in a nation facing an opioid crisis and a crisis of loneliness and a rise in anti-Semitism and Islamophobic hate in a world with a climate that needs, needs a world united to rally to its protection and our own with it. And so we could despair. But instead, we pray.
So breathe in, please, with me the air that gives us life. Breathe out the air that feeds life in trees and meadows and fern. Feel your feet upon the ground that holds you tightly to this earth, even as it spins and swings through the vastness of space. Feel the pulse in your own hands, the beating in your chest. Know the insistent and fleeting gift of life and open your heart as we pray these words of Lara Cowan. Spirit of compassion, source of life, God of many names and what is beyond all names and naming. We gather today in gratitude for our many blessings, for being in community, for the tender mercies of our lives, We also ache with grief, concern, and anger about the terrible violence in the world and the human capacity to inflict harm on one another. We seek solace in our seeming powerlessness. We hold in our embrace those hiding in shelters and mourning the deaths of loved ones, the tattered fabric of their lives. We pray for those with power to create peace, that they may recognize the fragile and valuable humanity of those across from them and see how we are all one. Holy Spirit of mercy, may all who seek comfort and safety find themselves in a place with no fear or hatred. And may all who suffer in pain or in anger be held in gentle, loving care to ease and heal their wounds. 
as we seek to build the beloved community. May we ever be guided by our faith in the ability of love to conquer injustice, in our ability to love beyond belief. So may it be. Amen.
There are cultures that have recognized and made a place for transgender folks through time. In India, it's the Hijra community. The place of this male to female transgender space and knowing of women dates back in time and it outlines a role for them. The Hijra through time have formed their own communities families with a mother who's the head of the house there to protect them, pass on wisdom. The families have even in recent decades helped pay for the transition surgeries and medical care for their family members who otherwise couldn't afford it if they wanted it. It's a community of support, of mentoring, a place to call home. The position of the Hijra in Indian society is layered, it's complicated. Families that people are born to do not always welcome the coming out of a family member as trans, as Hijra. There are very few ways to earn a living for folks who are members of that community, and the ways are often exploitative. Yet the Hijra have this other status that's ancient and grounded in sacred story. They are considered the givers of blessings. A. Ravati, an Indian activist for Hijra rights and a Hijra herself, writes about this in her, her memoir, Truth About Me. If you want stories about Hijras, there are hundreds of tales I can tell you. But for now, I'll tell you just this one. You must have heard of Ramayanam, Mahabharatam, and all that. Well, when Rama went off on exile for 14 years, his subjects, both men and women, came to see him off to the forest. They walked with him to the forest's edge and would have accompanied him further inside when he told them, all of you, men, women, and children, Go back to your houses. I'll complete my 14 years of exile and return to rule over you. So everyone left, men, women, and children. But a group of people stayed back. And there they remained at the forest rim for 14 years until Rama came back. Astonished, he asked them, who are you? Why haven't you gone back to your homes in the city? They replied, Swami, we belong neither to mankind nor to womankind. You said then that men, women, and children ought to return to the city. But you did not ask us to go. Bound by our wishes, we remained here. Rama was so astounded and moved by their sincerity that he granted them a boon. Whatever you speak will be true. Your words will come true. So from that day onwards, People here have believed that a hijra's word will come true and think of us as godly beings. They hold that it is good to start the day by seeing a hijra. Those who run businesses think that the day will go well for them if they give us money and earned our blessings. Since this Hindi country respects us so much, we must behave in a manner that is worthy of that respect. To this day, a Hindu wedding and a baby blessing isn't complete without their presence and treasured are the songs and blessings of a hijra. Gifts of money and food are given to them on these occasions in gratitude for these blessings. To this day, 
India recognizes a third gender on official papers in society as a way to honor the Hydra. And now our morning offering for the works and ministries of trust, the transgender religious UUs professionals together will be given and very gratefully received. Years ago, 
20 years ago, I served with a group of people who would interview seminarians halfway through their training. And because of the precariousness of this role, the importance of it as a kind of gatekeeper for the future ministry, we were trained one weekend that we gathered to be aware of what issues faced transgender folks who might come in front of us. Never in the time that I interviewed seminarians did someone come in front of us who was transgendered, but we were preparing. We were preparing. And the person that they brought in to do the training was Jameson Green. Green is a compelling, smart, charismatic, ruggedly and conventionally handsome person. And he was born a woman. His journey, not unlike many people's, was full of an unfolding of an understanding of how who he was inside fit into the constructs of the world he was born into or needed to reshape their categories and expectations. Green's own personal story involved when he was two years old starting to refuse to wear dresses, his family told him. At six, he saw the premiere of Peter Pan on TV and was taken. If she can be a boy, so can I, he thought, and I will be a much better boy than she is. Green's mom made him a Peter Pan costume and he wore it out. At 12 or 13, Jameson told a friend who took the sharing at face value that he, Jameson, would never have a period but would grow up to be a boy. That friend immediately took Jameson into the boy's bathroom to show him how things worked in there so Jameson would be ready when the time came. Jameson was all, always attracted to women, so although feeling very much identified as a man in a body that was female, he lived in something that from the outside looked like a lesbian relationship. He married, and eventually the couple had a child. Green's partner was the one who got inseminated and gave birth. When their daughter, Morgan, was born, Green recalls the sense of the world and himself in it pivoting. He was meant for this role. And there was no place on the birth certificate for Green to sign his name except the line that read father. And so he wrote his name there and the doctor signed it. God bless San Francisco. And even though they never taught Morgan what to call Jamie, the child explained to friends in preschool that Jameson was her daddy. She saw him that way. He knew himself that way. And Green started to feel stuck in a place that didn't feel fully aligned. Well, it was soon after this, while doing research for a novel, that Jameson Green went to hear the trans activist and hero Steve Dane speak. Dane, who was born Doris Richards, had been a girls' PE teacher in a Northern California high school, even winning California's Teacher of the Year Award. 
but then transitioned in 1977 and entered into a fight to retain his ability to work as a teacher. He was finally cleared to teach, but was never rehired and eventually retrained as a chiropractor, but his fight made national news. And seeing Dan speak was, Stephen Dane speak was powerful for Jameson Green. Dane was handsome. The room that day was full of other men who Jameson only realized belatedly were either transitioning or had transitioned, who were there also to hear Dane speak. Dane introduced his wife, talked about his work, and in this moment, Jameson Green saw who he was meant to be, how it all fit. The path that had been so muddy was clear. In the second edition of his 2004 book, Becoming a Visible Man, Green names how there's so much more writing and thinking. There are so many more groups and opportunities now to find support and guidance when making the journey that he made. And he tells the reader, I'm also heartened by the recent attention to our collective history from today's students and transgender identified people who have been surprised and gratified to realize that they have not been alone all this time, that we have ancestors and pioneers and there is a context for their lives. For Green, the modern history, that they can claim included people like Lou Sullivan, who founded the female-to-male transsexual society, now the FTM International, and Stephen Dane, who Green saw that pivotal day. But also there are the communities, ancient and courageous, like the Indian Hydra, who fought and still do to find their place. People whose Importance is written into sacred scripture, though they still struggle. The work of liberation is ongoing, of course. Green and other transgender activists and organizers work constantly to secure rights and protections and acceptance for transgender folks at work and society at large. All of it, it seems, involves at the start, the unpacking for the world who comes seeking understanding the language and experience of this community. And it's hard to stay current with the language. GLAD, the nonprofit that's focused on LGBTQ advocacy and cultural change, says language is evolving in real time. So transgender, most often right now, just so we're all at least on the same or similar page as I understand it, is a term that's used to describe people whose gender identity, that is a person's internal personal sense of being a man or a woman or a boy or a girl, differs from the sex that they were assigned at birth. And for some people, their gender identity doesn't fit neatly into those two choices. So there are words like gender non-binary or gender fluid and other terms that help name that experience and reality. 
And people in the transgender community can describe themselves using one or more of a wide variety of terms, including but not limited to transsexual, transgender, and non-binary. GLAD says it is important to maintain that there is no right way to be any of these. Instead, if there's takeaway advice, it's that we listen for and use the language that each person gives for themselves, the pronouns, the labels, the desire to be beyond labels. It's that we work to be the antithesis of what so many trans folks experience, which is a world that is hostile to those whom it cannot control or who will not conform to prescribed roles or ways of showing up in the world. My concern, Jameson Green wrote, has always been to amplify and lift up anyone who falls outside the simple binary defined by traditional gender roles, but also to assure every person that their own personal experience of gender, whether or not it conforms to some binary understanding, is valid and deserving of respect. I am convinced that the best way forward is for all of us as human beings to relinquish rigid identity, constructs that are competitive with or invalidating of other people. We cannot understand ourselves or live authentic and virtuous lives, he writes without recognizing, accepting, and respecting each other's differences. The human condition is so much more rich and dynamic than most of us have yet acknowledged. Amen to that. Yeah, makes sense, doesn't it? And yet, and yet, this week, the minister's book group read Maya Kobabes. I have to work to repronounce her name because I have been mispronouncing it. Kobabes' book, Gender Queer. Maya, who is also from Northern California, Maya uses the gender pronouns, neutral gender pronouns, E.M. Air. These are the ones, here's a little fun fact, if you don't already know it, that were introduced in 1975 by Christine Elbersom of Skokie, Illinois, who won a contest by the Chicago Association of Business Communicators to find replacements for she and he and him and her and his and hers, her transgender pronouns, A, M, and air, were formed by dropping the TH off of they, them, and their. Kobabe's book is a graphic memoir, which Ace says was written as a letter to Air Family to help explain Air Gender, a book it wishes had been there for M. It tells Kobabe's story from childhood until about age 30, which is the age Kobabe published the book at 30. It's a journey that takes M to see himself as bisexual, but also on the spectrum of asexual, to a place of gender identity that lies between the poles of the binaries of male and female. 
At 15, Kobe wrote in her journal, I don't want to be a girl. I don't want to be a boy either. I just want to be myself. Maya plays throughout the book with metaphors for understanding our sexuality and gender identity. And in the end, Maya writes this. As I wondered about a pronoun change, I began to think of gender less as a scale and more as a landscape. Some people, they're born in the mountains while others are born by the sea. Some people are happy to live in the place where they were born while others must make a journey to reach the climate in which they can flourish and grow. Between the oceans and the mountain, there is a wild forest. That's where I want to make my home. Both Green and Kobabe talk about the importance of evidence they found along the way of people who had gone before them. Stories, the few stories they could see themselves in, a bit character here on TV or in a novel, Kobabe writes. And each, each wishes that they had had some piece of that to save them, more of it to save them, their loneliness and wandering and pain, and they write their books for just that reason, to offer them up to others a lifeline that reaches through to hold someone who's in trouble. We all know those lifelines. We all have some book, some moment it reached in, made us feel a little less alone. Yet this memoir of Maya's journey that's already been a lifeline to so many, this journey to error authentic self was, in 2021, the most challenged book in the United States, according to the American Library Association and the free speech pen America. The so-called Mothers for Liberty, who are not the grassroots organization they claim to be, but funded by largely conservative philanthropists, they want to have the book banned. It's no surprise that many of the challenged books in America right now, or a lot of them, a disproportionate number of them are by black or GLBTQ folks. Kobabi, when discussing this, said, when you remove these books from the shelf or you challenge them publicly in a community, what you are saying to every young person who identified with that narrative is, we don't want your story here. which if we think about it is really just a version of, we don't want you here. The Stonewall School report in 2017 said 64% of trans pupils overall are being bullied at school. And of all those kids questioning or unsure of their gender identity but who don't necessarily identify as trans, 53% are being bullied at school. And that's just what happens at school. In 2018, the American Academy of Pediatrics said that a survey of trans and non-binary teens reported that, quote, more than half of transgender male teens who participated in the survey, survey reported attempting suicide in their lifetime, while 29% of transgender female teens said they attempted suicide. 
And among non-binary youth, 41.8% of the respondents stated they had attempted suicide at some point in their lives. To these teens, stories like Maya's are lifelines across that sea of isolation, hate, and despair. They can literally save lives. And not just for the questioning or trans teens. GLAD says that fewer than 30% of non-LGBTQ Americans personally know someone who's transgender. And Alex Schmeider, who's the director of transgender studies, uh, transgender represent, or, uh, sorry, and Aaron Dever, who's the chair of transgender studies at uh, University of Victoria, writes about how we see the ability to make people into cardboard cutouts, the first step toward hate and fear, and befriending someone, the first step toward empathy, protectiveness. If fiction is an empathy, Jim, as someone once said, memoir must be the same thing. One of those things that can shift the tide of human suffering. This fall, the study group that I've been part of for 25 years, I don't know, I looked up and looked around the room and noticed that four of our members, our four newest members, use the word trans or genderqueer or gender non-binary to describe themselves. And those members of the group are such grounded, thoughtful, fierce, kind, searching, gorgeous souls that I was struck again and again over the weekend together about how lucky I felt to be part of the group to have an excuse to spend my time with these people. It threw me back 20 years to Jameson Green walking in the room. It can take a long time from seed to fruit, but we plant. So friends, we just have to continue to listen to what words people use to describe themselves and be part of the world that affirms pronouns and life experience. On our hard-won understanding we all have of our stories, our gorgeous stories, that stretch especially any false limiting binaries, the ones that sell the human story short of its expansive and beautiful diversity. Read people's stories, watch documentaries. There's a whole list of resources that can work the empathy machine and we can recommend it to people we think need the empathy gym. And we can just show up. The truth is all of life, the stories of the ancestors, the stories being told and written right now, if we listen deeply, speak of a life that is always beyond the binaries and is always in transition. There are mountains and there are oceans, but there is also this wild forest in between. Blessings on us wherever we find and make our home. And however and whoever we know ourselves to be.
Amen. 2051, we are in the green hymnal. put down our hymnals, but remain standing and join hands interdependent, interconnected web of community.
And now in our comings and our goings, may the light of love shine upon us. Out from within us, be gracious unto us and grant us peace. For this is the day we are given. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Amen.